love we identify I'm Richie and that's Steve. Oh, I mean, hey, we, hi. We yes, that. no, sorry, that's okay. <laughs> I was doing We're basically one person at this point. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Symbiosis, yeah. I yeah, love exactly, it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we just get straight into it then? Sure. Okay. So uh Welcome, Tara. We're in a very fancy... Do you like our studio? I love your studio. Yeah. I, I'm not going to lie. I've been in the studio before. Oh, our studio that we yes. own ourselves. Or your studio that you own yourselves. Actually, you know, so I, yeah, you're right. It is, it's sort of, yeah, it's different with you in it. Very mm-hmm. different. Yeah. So yeah, brilliant. Brilliant to be here. Okay, so we are in the Head Stuff Podcast Network studio. Um, we have rented out for the day because we have the wonderful uh, Tara Flynn. Hey, Tara. Ooh, thanks, guys. No pressure. It's terrible. It's it's lovely thing when you get a wonderful, but it's like, oh no, all downhill <laughs> from here. It's okay. We always start off by calling ourselves wonderful, but by the end, I'm sure people have tuned out by then. So. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. It's to be expected. So, Tara, you are a comedian, an actress, yeah. a writer. Just in case you didn't know all this stuff about yourself. <laughs> yeah, it, when, whenever it's listed like that, I always go, oh, I, oh I'm so tedious. Just, <laughs> just, pick, <laughs> just one. pick one. But that's the thing. It's, it's sort of like you start off doing what you do and then when you are freelance and you work in and around the arts, it's about keeping going. Right. So, Especially uh, in Ireland, I assume. Just, where you yeah, it, just you to get. keep myself in it, I've taken different gigs yeah. and tried to get better at other things. So suddenly it's a list and then it's, <laughs> yeah, a bit scary. But my favourite thing on this list, and Steve just pointed this out to me the other day, you're in the Morvay. I was, yeah. You were yeah, in the no, I was a um, oh Molly voice. Yeah, yeah, there were two because there were so many episodes to do. There was nearly a full year of episodes by the end of year three. So oh like, God. because we, we shot for like three months, I think, over three years. Yeah. And there were two teams because it was such gruelling work for the people in the actual suits. They were dancers, they're professional dancers. Yeah. And so... Those uh, hot as well. They were really hot and yeah. the, the heads weighed a ton. <laughs> so they could only do 10 minute blocks of, yeah. of any movement. Oh my God. So that we could only do six hours. So it was like, so it was like nine. So there were two slots, 9am to 3pm mm-hmm. or 3pm to 9pm. And team A would do the morning and team B would do the evening. And then the next day team B would do the morning. and team, It was constant making sure that Ireland's children <laughs> were safe and catered to with entertainment and learning well, thank you because You're I learned so most welcome. of what I know from the Morbeg. <laughs> Me we too. Some, like context, because we got a lot of listeners in the UK and America who probably oh, yeah. the word Morbeg probably just means absolutely nothing. Okay. Um, yeah, so the Morbegs, them... it's kind of like welcome it to our was... Morbeg fan cast. No problem. <laughs> Listen, there is a market for that. I believe. Yeah, I, I would look all over that. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so basically, the Morbegs was a preschool show. It was a show for really teeny tinies. So it was only ten minutes long, but on every day, Monday to Friday, and the whole thing. About about Morbegs was these two um, characters called Morbegs, more August Bjog, big and no, small, no big way. and small. Yeah, so they were very young characters, but they were giant in human terms. So yeah. these were babies, oh, like but me. they were yeah, like, <laughs> like all of us really. And so we're all Morbegs at heart. We're yeah. all part of the growing tree. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the growing tree was something they were trying to get back to learn. They were trying to learn as much as they could yeah. in our realm. <laughs> Um, before they went back and in the last episode they did go back to Morbegland and and save the growing tree with all the knowledge they had gleaned from it's not is it's it still another? on earth okay it's not like yeah. a pocket not, dimension or another aliens yeah okay. that was never really explained yeah. I think a sequel could possibly explain that you know that. I think like a gritty Netflix reboot where <laughs> we, re- we get David Fincher in and we really explore and the I space. reckon Molly and Rasa are in their middle years now so they're a bit harrowed the yeah, recession let's see hard. are yeah. they working yeah. who knows did they get married because everyone thinks they're oh. brother and sister they weren't they, oh. they weren't yes Scandal. Molly had spotty ears and Rasa had stripy ears they were different oh, worlds apart worlds apart genetically 
So, um, <laughs> so it was totally kosher if they did, but they never had those romantic feelings for each other. But anyway, so that's more bags for you. That's more that's bags. My, and, that's, and that's our show, ladies and gentlemen. That's, Thank you for listening. This has been the best ever <laughs> interview. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. We, well, we're not here to talk about the more bags. Oh, dang. No, I know, I know. We're here to talk about something that's maybe a little bit more on the opposite end of this more bags spectrum. We're going to talk about um, the Eight Amendments. Yes, yeah. And, and Ireland's future All the fun it. stuff tonight. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. Um, but we, yeah. we want to talk, like, a lot of our listeners are, like we said already, they're outside of Ireland. So we thought it'd be good to take a step right back and talk about what is the Eight Amendments. That's and good for non-Irish listeners too, or for, yeah. I, for Irish listeners too, actually, yeah. is what I meant to say, because a lot you find a lot of people, especially if you're involved in, in the campaign to repeal the Eighth Amendment, like I am, uh, and you're talking to people all the time, even when you don't want to, when you mm. become a face involved in it, right. people come up and talk and they'll give you their opinion <laughs> and, uh, really hard. Um and sometimes you might not be up for talking about it. And like, I'm not paid in any way. Um, right. you know, and a lot of people involved are volunteers, mm-hmm. many with lived experience of a crisis pregnancy, let's say. So we assume that a lot of people are engaged and people aren't. People, a lot of people aren't. And they don't know what the Eighth Amendment is. So mm-hmm. for people who don't know what the Eighth Amendment is, in the Irish Constitution, it's Article 43.3, which went in in 1983 after a referendum. And it basically states that the right to the life of a fetus is the same as the right to life of the person carrying it. Now, it's it's in emotive terms like baby and mother, right. which I don't use because those don't mirror my beliefs. They right. are they are terms that people can endow mm-hmm. with the experience with themselves if that is their feeling. But technically, it's a fetus and the person carrying it, pregnant person, and our laws equate the two. The two of the they two have the same rights, mm-hmm. um, and I don't believe. That should be the case, and it causes uh, really grim situations medically. And uh, it means that doctors can't act. It means that uh, as soon as you become pregnant in this country, if you're a person with a womb, you lose your autonomy the second you get pregnant. Um, and to me, that's not something that is sustainable. So we're just trying to acknowledge that people have crisis pregnancies. They will deal with them how they need to, whether the law exists or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and wouldn't it be better for them to be safe? Yeah. That's that's what the campaign to repeal the Eighth Amendment. Once the Eighth Amendment is repealed, and hopefully it will be, there will still have to be legislation, regulation around procedures, all of that, training of medical personnel, all of that. This would not be this rushed, heady thing. And we've had a long time to think about it also. When people say, it's happening too fast, it's like, mm. really isn't. And we've been letting people down in that time. So mm. I hope that sums it up. And just to state straight off the bat, I'm not an expert. Right. Yeah. I'm not affiliated with any organisation. Mm-hmm. I'm someone who had to travel for an abortion myself. Yeah. So I've shared my story. I used the bit of platform that I, so overseas, overseas listeners, I'm really famous. She's so famous. <laughs> so famous. Non-o- She's our Taylor Swift. Non-overseas <laughs> listeners, Shut up. <laughs> shut up, okay? Cool for like a second. Just shut up, okay? Just go along with it. Uh, but whatever little bit of platform I did have, I was writing for a couple of magazines and things and I just, I decided that I had a really strong support network. I, you know, I, my husband was was okay with me speaking about it. My mum knew and my sister knew um, and I had their full support. So once I knew I had that, I was able to talk about it publicly. Yeah. And we, I'd spoken about it anonymously before yeah. to the Irish Times. So uh, I told my whole story, the exact same story, and there was no impact. Um, and so I realised that the mask was going to have to come off and the lie was going to have to stop. And that's... Was that hard to come to that decision? Yeah, <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah. And sometimes, it's not that I regret it. 
I wouldn't change a thing. But sometimes it's really exhausting. Of and course. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's, and it's, sometimes it's, it can be just that whole thing of the relentlessness of the conversation. It has to be relentless because we can't take our foot off the pedal. Uh, you know, there are so much myth and dishonesty around this discussion. I don't mind what people believe. I wouldn't, I don't want to change anybody's mind about what they believe. Uh, I just think we need to stick to facts. Yeah. And when non-facts are disseminated, it's really, so we really have to keep talking to people. And there are some nights I'd like a night off, but people will come up in the pub and even if it's lovely and supportive, yeah. and the majority of it is, yeah. it's like, Oh, still on the job, yeah. still still working on yeah. this, which we're all going to have to. I, I think anyone who wants repeal, it is those conversations that are going to really help mm -hmm. because people think it's this big, complex issue. And it is if you're faced with a crisis pregnancy. Of course. That's when you need to know how you feel about this. Other than that, here's the question. Would you force someone to remain pregnant against their will? And if you would force them to remain pregnant against their will, what would you do to enforce that? Yeah. And most people, when you put it in those terms, they go, oh, no, 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 no. And what they say, what they say to me, they say, that's none of my business. And I go, that's the crux of it all. Yeah. That's it. Because at the moment it is in the law. It's everybody's business. Yeah. They all get a piece of talking about everybody's crisis pregnancy. That's grotesque. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When you really think about that, you talk about people's grief as if it's, if it's debating fodder. Yeah. They talk about, and the thing is, ending a crisis pregnancy, even if it's the right thing for you, even if you're not conflicted at all, there's a grief attached. There's there's a difficulty in the decision. There's a, am I making the right decision? There's confusion. You feel really isolated by being criminalised technically in mm -hmm. Ireland. Technically, you've broken the law, even though by leaving the hypocr hypocrisy of it. In our, in our constitution, there's the 13th Amendment, which means we're allowed to travel to get the health care. We're allowed mm -hmm. to travel to get an abortion. Uh, that's, and that's the deal here is you're supposed to travel and then shut up mm -hmm. and lie about it. And actually, I've just shared something. Um, I, I just reached a bit of, maybe it was coming on to talk about, talk with you guys about this. But, you know, somebody a few weeks ago, it was sent to me, it was somebody I'd muted or blocked. I can't remember if I'd muted or blocked them, but they they said I was, you know, that I, I decided to get rid of, to have my baby killed. And it's like that type of stigmatizing language. Oh. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna share this with you right now because I've just, just shared it. I had kept, you know, people are going, well, I'm gonna rise above it. Yeah. They're saying, do you know he's saying this? I was like, I'm gonna rise above it. Yeah. It's fine. And there's an aspect of dealing with all this where I'm like, it, we have to rise above it a bit. Yeah, it's better for our own mental health. And but you know what? Right now, and in the in the context of all the Me Too sharing and standing up to bullying and stigmatizing and shame, using shame to keep you quiet, mm. I'm gonna say fuck that guy. Mm -hmm. And I just shared a screenshot of it. Mm. Uh, it's weeks ago, but I've been sitting on it and it has been eating at me mm -hmm. because fuck that guy. Yeah, that, what a complete wanker. How That's dare absolutely he? Disgusting. But it's like okay, so you believe that, but but let's say he, let's say he. Absolutely does believe that. He does believe I'm a murderer. Yeah. Which I don't. Nine week fetus that's non-sentient, mm -hmm. non not conscious, mm -hmm. the size of a grape. Yeah. To me, that's not a person. Yeah. Maybe to him that's a person. But let's say he does believe it. So he feels that that his belief allows him to brutalize me, to take down my good name. How dare he? Yeah. So I'm going to say with you guys, I'm not going to say his name, but you know, his name is on my Twitter feed. Fuck that guy. No, but really, it's like I've really had enough yeah, of, of people trying to, and I'm not always strong enough. I'm not always strong enough to stand up to those people. And sometimes, sometimes it's about rising above it and going, I re you don't affect me, so I don't care. Yeah. A lot of the time I don't care. And then sometimes I do because I'm allowed to have my good name. I'm not a murderer. I 100% believe that. Yeah. So... Maybe he 100% believes the opposite. Still doesn't give him the right to brutalise me. Of course not. A private citizen. Yeah. 
who although I'm in the public eye and I'm speaking about this publicly, yeah. it's still me and just my story. I'm not. You know, I spoke with Amnesty because I, I needed their support. Mm-hmm. I needed that structure behind me. But I'm not a member of Amnesty's board or, mm. you know, I'm not on a salary from them. It's just me just saying this really, ha- this ha- my whole message is this happened to someone you know. It happened to me. Yeah. And so fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. Right Sorry, now. guys. Yeah. No, you're fine. This is, this is great. But this is like this is part of of what's happening. And like, and one of the things we want to talk to you about is like, how do you deal with this stuff? Because you're yeah. you're a comedian, and so the, like, how do you reconcile these two distinct parts of your life? Where yeah. like your job is to be silly about things in the best possible yeah. way and make life better. It's very healing. Yeah, exactly. But then on the other end, like you're an advocate for this 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 very heavy heavy yeah. subject matter. How do you reconcile those two things? Well, one of the best things I've done this year was to put it back in the work. So I did a show called Not a Funny Word yes. at the Peacock Theatre. Yeah. So, and ostensibly, most of the first half of that is stand-up. Right. There are jokes. That's me puncturing the experience for myself so that I can heal. Say, it's my, my way to heal, it's my way to deal. Yeah, nice it's many of ours, but that is not only my personal way of dealing with things, it's my job. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to put it back in the work. I managed to do that this year and it looks like, hopefully, watch this space. It looks like hopefully it'll be back. Um, so that's been brilliant. That's been a way to reconcile both those worlds. But sometimes I don't deal, and I, especially after the Me Too stuff, I think... Well, there's a lot of tone policing and we should be doing this, we should be. And I was like, well, fine, you do that. You do that, definitely. Like, and I rarely swear when I'm speaking publicly about this. But if someone comes for me personally, one of the reasons I don't sign up with the abortion rights campaign or even the coalition to repeal the 8th is because I reserve the right as a private citizen to say, back off me. Mm-hmm. Back off me. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to attack me. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your opinion. And all along, I am very respectful of people's views. I always say, I don't want to change your mind. Mm-hmm. But I do want to know if we reframe the question to what it really is, would you force, Would you, do you think I should be in prison? That guy would probably say yes. Yeah. Most people say no, because they know someone. They know, they know the difference between a nine-week fetus and an eight-month gestation, ready-to-be-born baby. We have different terms for those things for a reason. Mm-hmm. Our language acknowledges it. Mm-hmm. We acknowledge it. Most people acknowledge it. So f- for once and for all, fuck that guy. So this is um, this is being added to my tools of coping. Yeah. I'm going to maybe swear a bit more. Yeah, do. When it's not talking about the campaign or at a campaign event. Yeah. And you're asking about my experience. Fuck those guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's totally fair. Oh, it feels good. <laughs> just get, just I it all feel out. great. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So we mentioned a couple of times about what people have to do at the moment. So just to give, again, more context for people that don't understand how it works in mm-hmm. Ireland, it is absolutely, utterly illegal to access these it, services as un, opposed to... Unless unless the the mother, the, the person who is pregnant, unless their life is in danger. And even then, it is still very difficult. Very difficult. And the call for medical professionals, and if people have been following the Joint Iraq This Committee, which is our, our government, um, they're having a committee on this very topic right now, getting all kinds of expert testimony and first-person testimony, which has been really enlightening for a lot of them have moved position. They've seen that pro-choice doesn't mean pro-abortion. They've seen that pro-choice Choice just means it might not be my choice, but I can't stop someone else making it. I won't be able to stop someone else making it. I just have the option to either make them safe or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's been happening in that is that uh, the, the shift has been happening gently and organically. And I think that's been very useful for people, you know. Yeah. But the problem is at the moment is that um, we don't have different numbers of, of women who are accessing abortions. They just 
get on a Ryanair flight and do it in the UK. They or, do. It's not any or, lower or here. Ireland, no. That's another and thing that guy that said, <laughs> said that I lied about that in an Irish Times piece, but... It's not. It's, it's not. not. It's like a pretty well-known fact. Mm-hmm. It's like nearly 4,000 people every yeah. year. So if you were to add that up to what other countries add, it's just, except we choose to have this this thing in our constitution to try and, I don't know, make the Conservatives feel a little bit better so they can do that. Yeah, yeah. And then we're held up as a beacon for a place where abortion doesn't happen, but it does. It does. Yeah. It does. And we're, so the, the medical... fairly. So I know we're my, sorry, I, I went a little bit off track, but in the Joint Rocks Committee, the medical professionals are saying, they can't call when someone's life is in danger. You shouldn't let a patient get to death's door before you can act and mm. intervene. Mm-hmm. So that's what they've been saying. That's nothing to do with any campaigning. Mm. That's what the medical professionals, gynecologists, people from, you know, incredible maternity hospitals who whose raison d'etre is to deliver a happy, healthy baby. Yeah. You know, they are going, abortion happens and we need to intervene sometimes. And mm. that's, it's just something that, for me, being pro-choice is about acknowledging a reality mm-hmm. and being anti-choice is about having a, oh, a lovely idealistic dream mm. whereby abortions aren't needed. They are. Uh, they're, they're needed for all kinds of reasons. Some that people deem more worthy, some that people don't deem as worthy. Um, and I would love to take that language out of the, what they call the debate. Mm-hmm. Um, good versus bad abortions. There are people who need them and people who, who choose not to have them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are people with wanted pregnancies who, for medical reasons, need to end those pregnancies. We need to re- really need to support them. Mm-hmm. So it's just been, it's a really, I'm not sure what comfort people get because the thing is, it's denial. It's not true. It's not true. So there, it's really cold comfort. Mm-hmm. Our, as you say, our rates are about the same as as as, a, as somewhere where it is legal mm-hmm. and available. People either travel or they uh, they take pills. And here, overseas listeners, if you take an abortion pill, a medical abortion, which you should be able to do with your GP or in a clinic, but preferably with your GP, and it's really simple. It's a World Health Organization says it's an essential medicine. Here for accessing it by post. You uh, you risk fourteen years in prison, or for helping someone acquire them. Yeah, and so people will you know maybe the odd time and it's very rare, but it can happen. And when people get into complications, they mm-hmm. go to A and E and they lie. Yeah, they don't tell the medical professional. We're lying to our medical professionals. Our medical professionals are are are, are you know using euphemisms, and it's just crazy. Yeah, it's so archaic. It can't go on. Mm-hmm. It's cruel and it's dishonest. Mm-hmm. So what's happening to change it? Yeah. What's How's the campaign going? Campaign. Well, see, the thing is, in a weird way, the campaign is so broad now. Mm. It's very hard to say. It's There'll have to be some organising and centralising as you know, when, when a date for a referendum is called mm. and things will change. You know, I certainly won't be going to any public meetings. And swear, I don't swear public meetings anyway. <laughs> uh, but uh, oh, I'm so tempted to sometimes. <laughs> but no, I, you know, it's very, it's actually the public meetings and I really encourage people to go to them there, unless someone's trying to derail or stigmatise and shame a person on the panel, mm-hmm. I've encountered that, but unless someone is, they're very warm, open, inclusive meetings and people's doubts are not sneered at. Usually they, they're based on a myth though. Even if there's disagreements? The, well, the disagreement is often, isn't this going to happen? And people can say, and if they want to watch the Joint Iraqis Committee, all those doubts have been asked. Yeah. They've yeah. all been asked. They've all been answered in really detailed and nuanced ways by professionals and world experts, Irish experts. And so all those questions have been 
asking and answered at the Joint Rocks Committee. So mm-hmm. in a way, I kind of feel like if it's a bit disingenuous to keep asking them if people haven't viewed those testimonies. Mm-hmm. And I, I really urge everyone who would like to take part in discussions to view those. It can be a bit long, but pick one. A lot of things are gone over again and again. It's really worthwhile, though. I really think it's it's very, very valuable. But it's um, at those meetings, they're very people don't sneer at people with doubts because we realise I I went to a Catholic school. I would probably have been anti-choice between the ages of 18 and 25 or whenever. Right. I don't know. I can't remember the, spe- the spectrum, the way, the increments in which it happened. But it's just you can't, when you're constantly drip fed just one perspective, mm-hmm. it can't help but go in. And it takes a while to, to be open enough and listen to enough testimonies and reality to realise that it might not quite fit. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to be really gentle with people unless they're trying to brutalise. And I really make that distinction. There's a big distinction between someone who has doubts and misgivings and is genuine and someone who is campaigning to keep people without their rights and lying. Yeah. I suppose what I'm trying to say, and I say it a lot in my in my head stuff mm-hmm. uh, pieces, but people don't really understand what pro-choice means. They don't understand that you can be morally opposed to abortion. You can mm-hmm. think it's the worst thing in the world, but if you wouldn't stop someone else accessing it, that makes you pro-choice. Yeah. It's not a euphemism pro-choice. Mm-hmm. It's the best possible description. Mm-hmm of someone's stance when you, because it is a very, very, very broad church. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are atheists who are pro-choice. There are, you know, people who are deeply Christian who are pro-choice. They just don't feel it's their place yeah. to meddle. Yeah. Um, there are people who, uh, of all political backgrounds, again, the Joint Iraqs Committee has really shown that. It's like a, it's like an incredible um a transformer or something. It's oh, like the Power you know, Rangers all coming yeah, together. Power Rangers or, or some <laughs> oh, kind of speaking my language. Yeah, you know, it really is like you know. Yeah. You know, assemble. Yeah. Um, so it is. It's it's been an incredible thing to see that. So there's no one type of person that's pro-choice, and one of the things that anti-choice campaigners have done quite effectively is to kind of create this myth of a type of pro-choice, mm-hmm. pro-choice person. Mm-hmm. And actually, pro-choice is the middle ground. It's the broadest bit because on one side of an extreme, you'd have people who want to deny abortions in all cases. On another, on the, the other, the extreme, the opposite of that is someone who's saying all pregnancies should be aborted. And I have never, I have never met anyone who has had that. Yeah. Maybe a character from a Ghostbusters movie or something. I have no idea, but it is, it's just bizarre. It's a bizarre thing to say. It's a bizarre thing to suggest. In the middle, you have everyone from people like me who've, you know, reached a decision in our lives where we, you know, I, I needed an abortion. I went and accessed one. I couldn't get one here. People who would never have abortions at all. People who have wanted pregnancies. People, people who are just compassionate people and have listened to all those stories and I want to be allies in this. But pro-choice is incredibly broad. It is the middle ground. Yeah. I would love to just empower people that they're not taking an ideological stance. It's actually removing ideological stances mm-hmm. to say you're pro-choice is to have no, is to have your own ideological stance, but to know that you can't impose that on anyone else. Mm-hmm. And just to, if I could help get that message out, I think that that would be the, the most useful thing I can offer right now because yeah. I'm not an expert. Yeah. So, nope. You just want to change something that's wrong. Yeah. I just think it's not working. No, yeah. it's not. Um, there have been quite a few campaigns building up over the last couple of years, as you say, with the momentum coming up to the expected referendum. So just to give more context again, 
Um, a couple of years ago, there was a particular tragedy where an Indian lady died, um, Sabita Halapanar. Yeah. Um, she died because she wasn't able to get the proper medical treatment that she needed at the time. Yeah, she had sepsis and mm. she needed, she was miscarrying for days. She was a, a dental practitioner, I believe, she, mm-hmm. but she had medical background. She knew that she needed, she that she was miscarrying, that, yeah. her, that her, her, um, her baby was dying and that she, you know, she was a very much wanted pregnancy and she uh, she knew she needed an abortion. And in the end, she she asked for an abortion and she didn't get it and she died of sepsis. That sparked a catalyst, I think. If, if I, I don't know, that was my kind of understanding. Is that all That's of the a first sudden, time I found myself outside the doil on this issue? Yeah, yeah myself as well. And then <laughs> in recent times, yeah, probably hundreds of thousands of others in the country just realised how broken how we were dealing with this with this issue was. Yeah. And since then, it kind of has been a very very active issue in politics. And then especially after the um, yes marriage equality. Um, referendum, people are thinking, okay, this is the next thing that we need to do in Ireland to try and bring ourselves up to the level of a normal functioning country. <laughs> in, in terms of, uh, yeah, human rights. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have internal things like homelessness and, sure. you know, of course. In But for me, actually, they all intersect because, you know, because a lot of homeless people, you know, what do they do in a crisis pregnancy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What happens then? So are you saying that someone who would choose to access an abortion, but they can't because of financial reasons? And if anyone listening... If anyone listening is in that situation, the abortion support network in Britain mm-hmm. will help you. Yeah. Don't, I think, well, how does Mara Clark, who's the one, the most wonderful spokesperson for the abortion support network, she's one of the most compassionate people you're ever going to meet. The situations she has seen people come from, the, you know, the literally the people throwing themselves down the stairs, the drinking mm-hmm. the bleach. She picks people up after that. Yeah. She says, you know, don't let not having the money stop you yeah. from having an abortion, you know, because what's the other option? Continue a pregnancy into a horrendous situation mm-hmm. where maybe it's an abusive relationship. Yeah. Maybe someone's homeless. So a lot of those other issues actually intersect with this issue yeah. because I'm one of the lucky ones. Mm-hmm. I had a credit card. I was able to travel. Yeah. What we're camp- who we're campaigning for are the people who can't afford to travel. That's that's who we're campaigning for. Mm-hmm. So it's um, we have to sort of stop looking at the the look. It is horrible. It's really horrible. It's isolating. It's terrifying to have to travel. Um, it's 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 taken me a long time to be able to talk about it. But by the same token, I really realize and the 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 letters I get and the people Mara sees, um, you know, there is help out there. So so just if anyone is listening and they're in that situation or know someone who is, the abortion support network will help you. As Mara says. She's hoping that soon they won't be needed anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, she says, "Doesn't it sound terrible?" She says, "I want. We want to be out of a job." Yeah. Um, you know, she's she's incredible, and I think uh, the the kind of people that step up and fill the gaps for us. Yeah. British clinics giving des- discounts to people who travel from here. Yeah. It just it chills you when you put them all together. Yeah. People who give people places to stay, f- mm-hmm. fake yeah, addresses. I've heard about that, yeah. You know, so that. Even the figures we do have, a lot of them are just are completely skewed because right. yeah. people give fake addresses. They give British addresses. So what we the figures we have are based on people who people who go to the UK and give Irish addresses. I went to the Netherlands. Sure, mm. I'm not in those yeah, numbers, you're not in that, yeah. and we're not counting the people who do DIY or or illegal abortions yeah. here. Let's not pretend they don't happen. Yeah. And then the people who procure pills. Yeah. So let's stop lying to each other yeah. and let's mind each other. You know, um, that's, that's, it has to happen. Yeah. No, you're totally right. Are you confident the referendum is actually going to be called? No, I'm not confident of anything. No. 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 
Just, I've lived here long enough. Yeah. I'm 48 years old. Yeah. <laughs> I've just seen, you know, I, I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm deeply cynical, unfortunately. Now, I'm, I'm optimistic in that the way people are talking is to hear pro-choice language, which is the most accurate language to use. It's, it's, it's sort of, it's stripped of emotive mm-hmm. language to have an effect on a listener. It's mm-hmm. just medical or legal fact. Yeah. I've been fascinated by watching Lawyers for Choice. In fact, if you don't want to watch the Joint Iraqs Committee, follow Lawyers for Choice mm-hmm. on Twitter because yeah. they do the most beautiful, user-friendly. I know nothing about <laughs> law. But people say, they'll say, you know, at the end of my show, at Not a Funny Word, mm-hmm. uh, so ostensibly a comedy show, deeply personal show, and the second half is, is a bit darker and very personal, but... Um, at the end, I'd be, you know, Q&A and uh, people going, so what should the law look like after something? <laughs> Councillor Flynn. It should look like a kind of a cat. <laughs> a law cat. Um, so, but I re- highly recommend Lawyers for Choice. They've actually done drafts of, of uh, potential legislation Amazing. for people to look at. I'll put all of this stuff in the show notes. Basically everything we mentioned will be in the show notes if people oh, want to learn listen, more. Listen, but in terms of people are, are politically driven or or interested in legislation, Lawyers for Choice have done up some drafts. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. I only understand half of it, but sometimes if I meet someone like Mairead Enright or, or I ask her for, you know, they'll, they'll explain it to me. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what does this mean, Mairead? It means this. Lay person. Normal talk. And this is why that, and as they point out, and I hadn't even thought about this at all, but the Protection of Life During Pregnancy Act, which is where the 14 years <laughs> penalty came in, <sighs> In 2013, um, but that would still be in place if the eighth was revealed. Mm-hmm. So there still need to be quite a lot of. Mm-hmm. Need to dig it out of the. I'm going to use some, you know, legal terms now. Mm-hmm. Legal shenanigans. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there you go. Um, there'd have to be plenty of legal shenanigans uh, mm-hmm. if the eighth were repealed. All the uh, taking the eighth amendment out of the constitution would do would be leave the lawyers and medical people to start with. Um, a clean slate to decide what's best for us. They'd have to look at various models around the world and decide what's best for for us um, in terms of legislation, human rights and mm-hmm. medicine. So um, it's it's completely fascinating, but it's way beyond me. Yeah. <laughs> but those are great. So definitely Lawyers for Choice, they're my top Twitter tip. For sure, for sure. How do you think the media is handling the whole discussion here? Like, Because the media is going to be how a lot of people consume a mm, lot of this yeah, information. depressing. And- Okay. <laughs> One, One word. Review. Yeah, depressing. Uh, because I hate tinfoil hats and I hate conspiracy theories, but I've been so disappointed by, you know, we all know that in this era of President Trump and Brexit and um, fake news, for want of a better word, I hate the term, but let's use it for now because mm. it's it's sort of, it's good catch-all. But that um, binary debates are exciting. They're boxing matches and people want their entertainment factor, their clickbait. Mm -hmm. Almost all of this discussion, if you look at the Joint Iraqs Committee or the Citizens' Assembly, is in the grey areas. It's not as interesting televisually. It's not as soundbitey. So-and-so dissed so-and-so and said... Fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that sounds scary. amazing. Whoa. Yeah, sorry. So, but usually it's not a bun fight unless someone's trying to derail, but the media wants a bun fight. Right. And so they keep reporting on the divisiveness of it mm-hmm. or the derailings mm-hmm. instead of, you know, the World Health Organization were in Dublin today and here's what they said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or many, many people who identified as pro-life, inverted commas, um, when they went into the Joint the Rocks Committee have 
started to begin to feel like they may be in a pro-choice, more pro-choice position. Mm-hmm. That's not being reported on by many. Now, there are a few great journalists. And I mean, Ellen Coyne from the Times mm-hmm. Ireland, uh, she's been absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she, she's been reporting on the rogue crisis pregnancy clinics as well. Um which the government said they were going to address over a year ago and they haven't yet. What's that? That's So they're, uh, they're places where they say they're uh, pregnancy, crisis pregnancy counselling. If someone in a crisis pregnancy ends up, you know, trawls the internet, finds a number and goes in here, they'll be showing gruesome videos of of maybe late term abortions or, or, you know, an illegal procedure or stuff yeah. that basically pro-choice campaigners would be campaigning to not have happened here because there'd be really good regulation and high standards. And, For sure. um, but they're, they're shown that kind of thing. They're made to hold little plastic fetus dolls. They're, they're really judgmental. There are some good videos, actually. Ellen Coyne did an undercover sting um, and the video of that is probably still on the Times website, but sure. it was, um, it's absolutely brilliant journalism. But uh, they're misleading, traumatising. Um, it's, it's completely unethical. Um, but they're still practicing. They're open. They're still open today. It's horrendous. Um, and they're just trying to convince someone not to have an abortion by scaring them. Yeah. Um, they are never focusing on what that person's life is like. What kind of situation they're going back to yeah. with this crisis pregnancy? Do they have any money? Do they have a supportive partner or an abusive one? Mm-hmm. Do they? Are they well? Mm-hmm. Are they? They? None of that. Just stop them at all costs. Mm-hmm. Terrify them. And sometimes those people end up going on to have an abortion, but those images haunt them. Of course, yeah. And end up feeding into a sort of a, a guilt or, mm. a, you know, it's a difficult enough decision to it make. Makes there's the enough it makes it even more traumatic. It makes it even more traumatic. So, you know, there's, there's a lot for us to deal with here. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of that has been, ex- and, and a lot of that stuff is explained away by, well, some of those people are very, very good. They're good people. They're well-meaning. That's their belief. And it's like, okay, but they're not allowed to, yeah. to pretend they're a crisis pregnancy counselling service. They're not, they're not allowed to, to use those scare tactics when they're pretending to be impartial. It's yeah, they're, so dark. It's just they're using tactics that are it's fear tactics. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a lie. So it's if, a lie. if they were well-meaning, they wouldn't need to set yeah, it up if, like if, that. You know, people who are well-meaning give all the, all the facts. Yeah. Give yeah. all the facts. And some people will then, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to get ahead. I've heard every version of this conversation. So there'll be people listening and they'll be going, no, but it is. And you'll probably get lots of comments and horrible stuff. And I apologise in advance. <laughs> Welcome to my world. But, um, <laughs> It's, uh, you know, they'll say, no, it is, it is murder. You're just using euphemisms and and distraction tactics. You're using euphemisms and you're trying to say it's not murder. You're trying to make yourself feel better. No, I don't, I don't believe it is. And, and that's, that's the end of that discussion. But yeah. some people do believe that. I'm still not asking them to have an abortion. Right. So why not leave my moral decisions with me? And if you are, if you do end up commenting or, or trying to contact us, what means stuff? We'll refer you back to uh, Tara's earlier comments. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You said that you didn't want to appear on any media appearances where you actually like come across someone who's who's pro life. To use that horrible yeah, term. Yeah, no, but, I won't do debates. Yeah, for exactly yeah. the reasons I said. Yeah. I think it's, it's just, just it's the gladiatorial. It's yeah. gladiatorial bullshit. Yeah. This can't be a, de- a binary debate. It's way too broad. It's way too nuanced. It's way too based on individuals' needs. And do you think that you people have like not taken you on to different things because of that? No, no, no. I don't think so. 
That's good. No, I think they, I think I think people think I'm mouthy and that I'd make good telly. And I actually I spoke to a current affairs person in the last three weeks, and they said, "Why don't you?" I said, "Because I'll start to cry and I'll get angry and I'll feel really upset and I'll I'll." It'll bring up a lot of stuff for me. I said, I won't be rational. I won't be debating. I'll just be upset. Not just for myself, but for the people who contact me, the people I've met. But that would be brilliant. Oh, that's kind of... And there you have, guys, why I won't be doing any of those. I am not the envoy for that. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, but you see... That those those setups are because you got you've got seven minutes and you've got seven minutes yeah. you've got seven minutes to either dredge up your own personal experience mm-hmm. and revisit that that you know grim time or that horrible situation for yourself mm-hmm. whoever it could be a person with a who, who had a fatal fetal abnormality pregnancy you're going to ask them to open that wound and dredge it all up and then sit there politely while someone for seven minutes basically calls them a murderer mm. either overtly or covertly yeah. um, and and then they're supposed to keep smiling and come back with facts and figure it's just not on and that's one of the other reasons I'm I want to bring a little more I, I've been quite people are already biting their tongues we are we bite our tongues so much already we're expected to take so many punches so much shame and stigma and bullshit and lies and we're supposed to go well that's interesting and that's a sincerely held belief I also think there is a moment for and I do think it's part of that me too on masking of you know, we're expected to be polite up against bullies mm-hmm. no no a little less politeness a, a little more I'm not saying go go you know Lula and and <laughs> flake someone, yeah. but I am saying maybe it's okay to say I'm really really angry and please don't lie. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. That's not defaming someone if it's no. provable. Yeah, and so many of the things have been it was read into read into the record the other day. You know, debunked facts were wheeled out yet again. They've been debunked several times over. And there were the, you know, and it is their job. And for many of them, it's not lived experience. So there were, you know, lovely TDs and senators going, that's not true. Mm-hmm. But I would be, I'm at the point now where I'd just be turning tables over and going, because it's like, it's not a theory. It's not a theoretical. So when people say you should be very measured because you want to win. Mm. So, well, it's a very hollow win if... It's not a competition. Yeah, it's not a competition. And it's a very hollow way. People say you've got to, you know, put out only moderate reasons for, you know, even if it's not what you believe, Tara, only say the moderate reasons for having an abortion like rape, incest, fatal fetal abnormality. And I say, but that's not a win at all because that's the majority. That's me. That's my crisis pregnancy. You're telling me isn't isn't worthy enough of the healthcare I need or I choose. Um. I know, you know, I, I'm not going to, I don't want people's sympathy. I'm not going to go into the reasons, my reasons. But it was, when I say crisis pregnancy, I don't say it lightly. And I I might not be here if I hadn't had access to uh, to an abortion. Um, and that doesn't seem to matter to to some of those commentators. But it's it's something that is deeply personal. And it's very personal. I take it personally when someone says, talk about the, you're scaring people. Talk about the moderate ones. I'm like, I'm not an extreme case. We're talking about the majority. And let's get the, let's not get it twisted. The majority would be pre, pre 12 weeks. Yeah. It's like 90% something happened. 90 plus percent. Yeah, it happened. Um, that would mean they could be medical abortions. We're forced to have more surgical abortions because it's later. We're forced to have them later and, and abroad. And, uh, so, it's 
there's another thing and I've, I've written about it in the head stuff thing. There's another aspect to it, which is the moralizing that's involved with saying the certain circumstances are acceptable, like rape is fatal, fatal abnormality. The sympathetic ones, so, you know, say that use those ones to win. That's not a win because mm. here's what happens is, let's say the government legislates for those cases and the majority of people are left behind. There'll have been no change at all. But you get a re-stigmatising of the people like me who, for our own reasons, manifold and um, very different reasons, chosen abortion. What you're saying is that I having a procedure at nine weeks is bad, but someone who's had, uh, who's been raped having a, a, the same procedure, the exact same procedure at nine weeks is good. Yeah. So what you're saying is that the reason for getting pregnant is the bit you don't like. Mm, right. That's just the, moral judgment. It's just moral judgment. So the circumstances, are, so if I had been, so if I'm someone who was trying to be a parent and the pregnancy goes tragically wrong, it's a horrendous situation for people. But if I'm one of those, that's okay. It's still the ending of pregnancy. If I was raped, and I end the pregnancy. That's okay. But the procedure is the same. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. So what those people are saying, that to me, that's the extreme stance. Yeah. That's the scary. To me, that's terrifying. Yeah. That's a terrifying stance. It it's is. deeply misogynistic. It's re And I really urge people to reflect on that when they say that. And even people, just just think about who you're talking to. When you come up to me in the pub, when you come up to someone else who's who's lived it, when you say things like, I'd never have an abortion myself, but no, and I appreciate your contribution because usually what they're saying is, but I wouldn't stop you. Mm. So appreciated. Very vital in the conversation. Mm -hmm. But when you say, I wouldn't have one, there's a little bit of it yeah. where you're saying, I, I think you did a terrible thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so maybe just maybe just choose to say the second bit which yeah. is <laughs> that we support everybody's yeah. choice bit um, because we need to bin judgment and shame they're what they're what are that, at the core of it all the judgment and shame that, that led to things like the mother and baby homes so oh, yeah. recently in our history yeah. are at the core of this discussion and how difficult people are finding it to have here yeah it's like a big psyche that's in the Irish brain that we just can't shake off yeah I call it the shame cloak in my show shame, shame cloak. cloak we're covered by a shame cloak oh. <laughs> and how do you shed the shame cloak you, well we talk yeah. we talk mm. you know we talk and uh, well I can't give away the ending of the show but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, fine. that's fine there's a little bit of a more celebratory and, and some people didn't like that but there was a little bit of a bucking of shame mm -hmm. uh, so the show the transition of the show is sort of from shame all the way through to shame so um, it, because I think that's something we have to do it's it's not we're not bad people to celebrate who we are mm -hmm. as sexual beings we're not bad people you know who do our best like I had taken a morning after pill um, you know some people then change their minds when I say that they go oh sorry I thought you were just using it as contraception no one uses abortion as <laughs> contraception it's expensive yeah, it is no fun yeah. it's highly impractical <laughs> that's such a bullshit again misogynistic like mm -hmm. you floozies will all just be running out to have the abortions oh no I've had one no no, they won't yeah. please stop saying that so but but fuck shame we really need to have this conversation openly and honestly and I think I think we're starting to have it. it in a way only that it's urgent people are in, having crisis pregnancies every single day it, we can't delay any further but unfortunately we haven't had a lot of time to be having this discussion openly so that we can reach people and just say we have no pro-choice history here we've no 
pro-choice publications. Books are quite difficult to get. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that they're illegal or anything. You can order them. Um, so Pro by Katha Pollitt, uh, The Moral Case for Abortion by Anne Faraday from BPAS in Britain. Um, we need to read those. Read. Uh, there's a, there are a lot of essays. I've said this on a couple of other podcasts, but it's important information. There are a lot of American uh, discussions. I'm sure there are probably podcasts, but mm-hmm. the, the discussion happens in America a lot more because they have had Roe versus Wade, but the discussion has been revitalised recently with the attempt to roll back yeah. reproductive rights in various states. Some so states it's basically back to being illegal. It's almost, or or again, people have to travel out of state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the same situation yeah. as here yeah. in everything but words. Yeah. So uh, it is a vital global discussion mm-hmm. um, and banning abortion doesn't end it. It just makes it Mm-hmm. It makes it, makes it unsafe. Yep. Yeah, it makes it unsafe. Uh, actually, one of the uh, experts, and I won't remember which one. I'm so sorry. I'm such a thicko. But in the Joint Directors Committee, basically said, in no uncertain terms, he said, "You're either for safe legal abortion, or you're for unsafe illegal yeah. abortion." And it it comes down to that. Yeah. Which are you for? Which are you for? Yeah. Simple as. We try to be as nonpartisan as we can on this show, but yeah. I think we're all agreed that um, it's not a very difficult choice. Yeah. Well, it's totally. I mean. Even saying it's not a difficult choice, you're not saying what you would do or or, no, or but, what. But in terms of a, a law. In terms of a law, it, it's, this is the middle, it's the most open to everybody's view. So yeah. it is the impartial view yeah. Yeah. in the weirdest way. And people will still say, oh, she's so extreme, she's advocating for the abortions. Yeah. It's like, well, I hope, here's my thing. I, here's what, can I tell you something radical? Please. Can I tell you something really radical? Please. You know what I really want? No more abortions. Do you know, I do. I want no more, no more abortions. I want no more abortions. Mm-hmm. That's never, ever going to happen because that would mean there would be no crisis pregnancies. There right. would be no, yeah. uh, you know, uh, unviable uh, pregnancies, uh, wanted pregnancies. There'd be, unfor- you know, no one wants one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people need them. Yeah. And we have to acknowledge that reality. Yeah. So wouldn't it be a lovely world where no one needed, it was a horrible, you know, it's a horrible experience. It's, you know, ter- you know, uh, a hor- a crisis pregnancy is, is a horrible experience. Mm-hmm. Um, having non-judgmental health care is an incredible thing. I have very strong memories of the um, staff in the clinic in Holland. Their lack of judgment, their care. It's very emotional to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so grateful to them. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. We're, ch- we're talking about how important talking about this subject is for shedding that cloak. You wrote a really <laughs> good, <laughs> throw it right away. Uh, you wrote a really good article on like a safe cross code for talking about. Oh, right. <laughs> which yeah. is really good. And I was wondering if you could talk about like some of those tips that are really good because a lot of our listeners would be on the more liberal side. And so, you know, instead of just preaching to the converted, what are some actions those converted? I'd have to. Yeah. I'd ha- that's a few months old now, so I'd have to read it to remember. Because I write, I write about this quite a bit. So sure. you'll have yeah. to forgive me. It's there. It's on, actually on my pin. I've two pins. I have a t- mini thread at mm-hmm. the top of my pinned tweets on mm-hmm. my on my own page, Tara Flynn on Twitter, uh, T A R A F L Y N N. Um, and the second in that thread is that piece, mm-hmm. so yeah. people can go on and look there. But mm-hmm. but my top advice is basically, if someone is virulently anti. Leave it. Don't you're not. This isn't about convincing people. Right. This is not about changing anyone's mind or views on abortion. In fact, it's not about abortion at all. The question to ask is not are you for or against abortion? Because everyone will have a different view. Every pro-choice person will have a different view on that. But would you force someone to remain pregnant regardless of their situation? Would you force that? And if you would, how what would you do? Because that's quite a brutal image. That's 
And that's the reality. Yeah. Would you section a young girl, as happened here last year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so recent. So these are not hypothetical scenarios. And we don't know what's happening now that we're going to hear about in a year. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. It, it, the, the nightmare scenarios are happening, have happened. So, so, so don't knock on a locked door, but find the people. For me, it's about finding those people who, who would say, and for it in certain cases, and tell them not only why that's a judgmental stance, really, when you unpack it, but that it wouldn't work. It's almost impossible to. So you're going to take someone who's, a, 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 who's, had, uh, who's been raped and you're going to ask them now to prove that they've been raped really quickly and go through a, some kind of mini judicial process in time to still be able to access the abortion. It's impossible. If they're deemed worthy of it, it's impossible legally. Yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't happen anywhere. It's, it's, it doesn't happen. It's, a, it's, it's imagination. It's, it's, it's a, yeah, it is. It sounds like it's compassionate, but yeah. it doesn't. It, no. it is, it's unworkable. It is legally unworkable. It's compassionately crazy. Mm-hmm. It's just it's so devoid of compassion. It's just it's just a horrendous scenario. Um, and the other one is later term abortions. People go, well, I'm fine with it up until 12 weeks. But no, for, uh, somebody came up to me recently, one of those. Oh no, it's my, I'm doing, I'm doing another job. Stop. I was actually working. I was doing a gig. They're like, up to 40 weeks, up to 40. I was going, 40 weeks, hang on. I'm not an obstetrician, but isn't that kind of birth? Like, <laughs> no one's going to be, you know, they, they, they love, some people love that myth of, you know, up to birth, you know, like you're going to be kill, infanticide is what they're talking about. Yeah. And it's, that's not what people are, no, 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 not a healthy eight month, no, no eight month gestation. That's, going to be a delivery my friends that's you yeah. know um, no one's going to no imagine no, a medical no. professional Again, no it's no. just mad yeah. making it up that doesn't happen it anywhere it doesn't happen yeah. um, but what people say you know as late as necessary that's something doctors for choice another great follow doctors mm-hmm. for choice um, they uh, and actually so the abortion rights campaign the Coalition to Repeal the Eighth Amendment, all the info and all their affiliate organisations are on their own websites. Um, but they say as early as possible, as late as necessary. And it's the, as late as necessary. It's the necessary. That's the crux of that one. Because of course, the majority will be, as, if, if someone needs not to be pregnant anymore, it'll be as soon as they find out. Mm-hmm. They could hopefully get a pill with their GP. Um, done. Done. You know, under supervision, safe. Done. When it goes past 12 weeks, and haven't been pregnant, not for long, but having been pregnant, it's hard. It's hard. You get past 12 weeks, mostly, except, you know, for instance, in Ireland, sometimes it does go past 12 weeks because people have to save yeah. up yeah. or they have to get time off work. They have to lie, find a reason to be able to travel and be gone for a few days. So if you want earlier, make it legal and accessible. Quick, 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 guys. Um, but uh, so it's another, that's another debunking. It's like, well, you know, oh. I wanted I wanted it as early as possible, but then make it accessible here yeah. fast, um, sooner rather than later. Usually, though, when you go past twelve weeks under normal circumstances, you don't have a crazy law. It's because it's wanted pregnancy. You know, that's the first trimester. That's the really tough bit, and then things start to get a bit easier. And so, if you get to twelve weeks, that's a wanted pregnancy. After that time, it's a wanted pregnancy gone wrong. So, if someone's choosing to end it, it's a very traumatic. I can't even imagine having to make that decision. I just, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. But, so those are the people you're telling can't then access yeah. it. The people who, in that list of, of ones that were okay, they were top of the list. Yeah. Fatal fetal abnormalities were at the top of the list. But now you're going to say, they and, and as um, the amazing people from Termination for Medical Reasons, 
they gave testimony at the Joint Iraqis Committee. And as they said, you know, it's, it's you know, some scans don't happen and show up the anomalies till 20 weeks. The scans don't happen till 20. We have to look after everyone. It's yeah. a matter of medicine. Yeah. It's a matter of medicine. So it's not about what I think. And I, I sometimes say in the talks that I do, it doesn't matter what, like they say, what do you, they, and especially when they're trying to stigmatise and derail, when, what do you say? And oh, when do you think? And I say, you know, I can tell you what I think, but what I think doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't, it's absolutely irrelevant yeah. because we're talking about medical best practice, yeah. people being able to talk to their medical practitioner and not lie and not be criminalised, stigmatised or sent away for the care. That's, that's all it is. And it, I, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired <laughs> of, of being told that we're lying <laughs> and that we're using euphemisms <laughs> and that we're not impartial Actually, we're the most impartial. We're saying it's none of our business. So that's, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, hey, guys. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> we, we do have a fun segment to, to, to end Brilliant. on. Don't Thank worry. God for that. <laughs> so. And also people, people who are listening who don't know any of my work at all or any of the satire or anything are going, Jesus, she's a burn of laughs. Speaking of which, um, <laughs> I hope it's okay. I mean, I know I talk a lot and I, I just, I sort of. That's what we want. it's it's all it's also sort of strongly in my head now and the same questions come up again and again from the people who have doubts and trying to allay those fears yeah it's allaying fears rather than we caught you at the tail end of an awful lot of very heavy interviews as well over the last couple of weeks ah no (laughs) not at all no it's all good it's all good it really is no it's great yeah but uh, it is it is real to see yourself in in a French magazine. Like, oh my God, how did this happen? And not for jokes. <laughs> what about my jokes, guys? Forget my uterus for one second. I do say that in talks and I'm happy for this to go out, but it is like, it is incredibly surreal when, you know, you work really hard and, you know, I certainly have never, when I started in comedy, there was no fame to be had. There right. was no career to be had. You'd be in the international doing gigs forever. Yeah. And then suddenly around 95, 96, there was suddenly was this career to be had and people could do, you could go to Britain and do lots of gigs. You could, you know, all kinds of things. And so a, a trade off of what I do, if if things are going well, is a bit of profile, is is being sort of known. It is very surreal that uh, the reason people come up to me in the supermarket is about my womb. And it's just, it's very, <laughs> very surreal. It's like, hey, you know, back off, back off my uterus for a Decades second. Of a career. Did you yeah. see my hilarious essay? Yeah. The one with all the jokes in it. Did you watch more bags in your Did kid? You, that was me. By, by any chance, happen to watch more bags? <laughs> yeah, well. So there is another big thing going on in your career right now at the moment mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with this issue. Oh God! Mm-hmm. Oh, do you know where this is going? We, I have a funny feeling. We understand that you are the our Graham. You are our Tara on Blind Date Ireland. Yes, I am. I couldn't be more proud. Yes, mm-hmm. how's I that am. been going? I love that job yeah. so much. I was. I've always been a fan. I used to in the nineties. I used to watch Scylla's version, the UK oh, version, Scylla. the first UK version. Yeah. Uh, yes, Scylla, classic. Um, I used to watch it before I went out myself, and it used to just make me laugh and lift my spirits. Mm. Um, and it was so cute and cheesy and mm. brilliant. Everything you want. And people at their best, you know, it's not, again, back to gladiatorial, it's not people being asked to puck the heads no. off each other on Big Brother uh, or something. It would be a very different kind of blind date, all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you want no, to pop those cans on there? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And just give a wee listen to this. Ladies and 
and gentlemen, it's Blind Date, What Am Politics Edition. And here are your hosts, Steve Byrne and Richie Nolan. Whoa. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Out for my job. I will take the two of you down. I have no no qualms about doing it. I'm not letting you leave this studio until you erase that. It doesn't Uh, exist. It's not real. That's our friend Jerry. He's got a great voice, isn't he? (laughs) It's great. Yeah. amazing. How dare he? (laughs) So we thought we'd... You want to leave them? Keep them up. Oh, there's more. Oh, there's more. Oh, there's more. There's a whole... Oh, my God. There's a whole game game show segment. So you're going to be our contestant on the first ever version of Blind Date, What on Politics edition. So we're we're going to show some... uh, some, we have three contestants lined up, okay. politicians from both past and present, and they're all looking for love. <sighs> <laughs> and so you have to make the decision of who... The decision is yours. Yeah, that's basically My catchphrase. It. There we go. <laughs> so let's, let's hear our first contestant. Please welcome contestant number one. I might not be the tallest fellow around, but I promise you, size will not be an issue if you chose me. I'm a gentleman, but more importantly, I'm a scholar. My areas of expertise include poetry, history, and of course, the female anatomy. I've got a pretty ball or crib in a dope-ass location in Dublin. I get free tickets to the zoo, so if you like, we can spend a couple of hours getting reacquainted with our animalistic sides. How's that sound? Mm, that sounds that sounds great. I would choose contestant number one. one? Yeah. Oh yes. Oh, you haven't even heard already. the other two. No, because I know who I know who it is, and I just just adore him. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, I love the zoo. But let, let's hear the other let's contestants. Hear the others. <laughs> Please welcome contestant number two. Adventure, excitement, progressivism. All of this and more could be yours if you choose me. I may not be the most subtle guy in the room, but who needs that when you can have a belly full of laughs and a mustache full of dreams? If you enjoy the outdoors like I do, then maybe I can take you to a national park that I founded. Or maybe we can put on our cowboy gear, hop on my horse, so I can take you for the ride of your life. What we do doesn't matter. What matters is knowing that if you choose me, you can be guaranteed a man of action who speaks softly but carries a big stick. Well, it depends on the moustache. Uh, you know, <laughs> facial hair is often about the eyes. And uh, yeah, I need Is that to, true? Speaking as a beard man. Yeah, I think so. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just just the throws eyes? focus on the eyes. Okay. So it's like, oh, oh, hello. Um, <laughs> I'm going for dinner with my husband after this. I better be, I better be very good. Uh, so, <laughs> no, I need to have a, a closer look at the, the eyes of the moustachioed mm. contestant. So that's not really, you know, of course, what he said is, uh, is very racy. <laughs> but, uh, the innuendos are about still, as subtle as the Irish version. Still, well, listen, that's what you, that's what you, it's not meant to be subtle. <laughs> oh, you've got blind date all wrong if you think subtlety is the goal. No, it has to be sledgehammer cheese. Yeah, very good. Uh, three. Let's hear number three. Please welcome contestant number three. They call me the Iron Lady, but don't let that fool you. I'm flexible everywhere that it counts. I'm known for my stiff will and even stiffer upper lip, but I've got a soft side too. If you like, I can take you on a romantic island holiday. I know a lovely spot in the Falklands where we can be left alone. Now, if you choose me, I promise, ours will be one union that I will not break. (laughs) 
I mean, I've heard Argentina's really beautiful, but I, I just, and I'm open, I'm open, but I just don't think I could fancy that last right. contestant. Right. Um, yeah, no, it's got to be. It's number, got to be. Got to be number one. Mm. It's got to be number one. It's the head of state with a face you can't beat, Michael D. Higgins. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Excellent. That's where I, I would have made that same choice. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be. Had I to mean, be. in that particular field, that was the one. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Good stuff. Thank you so much for being so cool. Thanks. This, is, well, no, this has been fantastic. Thank you for, you brought donuts and everything. And if I weren't going to meet the fella for, for dinner right now, I would definitely talk into one. But thank you so oh, much for having me. Oh, it's just for us. That's amazing. Yay, yeah. donut guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we know it was a bit, it was a bit heavy there in the middle, but like we felt we needed. It had to be. It's like it kind of a subject. Yeah. Oh no, and, it has to be real. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately, it means sort of go, going there a bit, and that's why they get so exhausting. And I, I don't do many anymore, really. So, thanks for having me and making thanks it so for, um, for comfortable up. and supportive. It, it means a lot. Cool, Tara. Where can people find you? Um, at my house. <laughs> we always say that, and it does sound like yeah. actually like online. Where can people yeah. find Tara you? Flynn. Dot I E T A R A F L Y N N. Dot I E or um, Tara Flynn on Twitter Perfect. for as long as the platform exists. exists. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Amazing. Tara, thank you so much. This has been this has been thank wonderful. You. Thank you. Yay. Yeah, so that's our interview with Tara Flynn. What a wonderful, wonderful human being. Yes, actually, she definitely earned the title of wonderful that we gave her ahead of her actually <laughs> giving the content. <laughs> I was confident she would, though. Yeah, of course. She's a fantastic spokesperson, very eloquent and very, very kind of real and raw as well. Like, yeah, it just goes to show you, like, what a really, like, emotive political issue it is. I mean, like, in terms of political issues, sometimes, you like, they're dry. Oh, taxation. Uh, that's not going yeah. to bring tears to the eyes and make you remember traumatic experiences. Well, I don't know. Maybe people have bad experiences with taxes. Yeah. But <laughs> most certainly, the Eighth Amendment and uh, the impact it's having on lives day to day in Ireland is, is definitely something that needs to wake people the fuck up and hopefully do something about it very soon. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, with a subject so complicated, it's important that you navigate it correctly. And I think the advice Tara gave was was bang on for that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We're also going to include in the show notes links to everything we talked about, plus some additional resources, um, links to some of the wonderful articles that Tara wrote for Head Stuff. All of that's going to be broken down in the show notes. So if you do want to dive in further and then you do want to prepare yourself for those kind of conversations that Tara spoke about, then, then just check out the show notes and, and follow the links there. Yeah, um, Tara had to run away near the end of the episode, uh, so we didn't get a chance to actually reveal who the other two um, potential dates oh, were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we probably should yeah, cover yeah. that. Um, I believe you have the sound bites that we can throw on now. Yeah, so contestant number, so she picked contestant number one, which is President of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins. Uh, but contestant number two was... It's the bull and moose that won't turn you loose, Theodore Roosevelt. And contestant number three was... Will the real Iron Lady please stand up? It's Margaret Thatcher. Steve, who would you have picked? I mean, come on, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah. Teddy? Teddy, of course. See, I'm a Michael D man through and through. Like, I mean, I would have been leading Teddy up the garden path in terms of, like, I know blind date is meant to be a sexualized thing. I just want to have, like, a bro date. I'd be like, sorry, Teddy, your hand off my lap. That, that's not what I'm into. I just want to hang out. And, uh, is that cool? Whereas, you know, if I went off on a date with Mick, I'd be like, oh, hey, Gwen. <laughs> a face you can't bait. That's certainly for true. 
And yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Margaret Thatcher. She is neither. Why do we even include her? She's neither my cup of tea in terms of her uh, aesthetic experience nor her personality. And (laughs) I don't think that would be a very fun date for me or her. Well, maybe she'd have a good time. Cool. That was fun. That was really fun. And thanks very much for uh, Tara being a good sport and letting us. bastardize her her, her favorite her, yeah, her favorite that, partisan project <laughs> yeah yeah that could have gone a couple different ways but luckily she she seemed to enjoy it so also a big old thank you to lean in arms and jerry carney for lending their vocal talents to that segment cool um so that is the eighth amendment and what am blind day political style i am sure both of them will remain very salient and topical issues in the next couple of years in ireland <laughs> So everyone, I'm pretty sure you remember by now that um, we definitely enjoy when people uh, interact with us on social media. Um, You can follow us on Facebook. You can tweet at us at the Twitter machine, What Am Politics. You can send us emails at whatampolitics at gmail.com. And if you interact with us enough or leave (laughs) us wonderful comments uh, or... Or tips, or arguments, or whatever you want. And um, there's a good chance that you... have we gotten any tips? Um, like what kind? Like political tips, or just yeah, like... sure. We got um, Tulsi Gabbard off uh, Miss Shoemaker. Remember? Oh yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. And if you give us tips on how to be better podcasters, too, that'll definitely be appreciated. That would be amazing. I would, for one, very much appreciate that. <laughs> uh, so we had a listener uh, get on to us to say that she was very excited and enjoyed uh, another actually reaction to the Teddy Roosevelt episode, which I'm really, really happy is going down pretty well out there. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, I think we're both particularly proud of how that turned out yeah especially me that i get to share the teddy love um because he is someone that people need to know more about and yeah. uh, someone that got i think uh, onto the bad wagon after listening to the episode which does fill my heart with joy is uh sophie howarth um, she is a student in manchester doing tv production i believe mm-hmm. and she contacted us to tell us that she's been inspired to pick teddy as the subject for her project that she needs to get done in the next which is amazing it is, it is fantastic all aboard the teddy train Woo! Bring the content up. There should be, everyone should be making a documentary or a podcast about Teddy Roosevelt. That's my personal opinion. Or write a book. It's it's the only content that should be out there. So Sophie uh, actually interviewed me over Skype to include in the topic. I was talking about his time in Cuba. Mm -hmm. So hopefully um, when she produces the actual thing, she'll let us have a look at it. And if she's feeling comfortable enough, maybe we'll be able to share it with you guys as well. We'll see. Um, I am so excited to hear the grade that comes out of that uh, assignment (laughs) and what effect you had on it. Well, okay. I think that maybe my contribution may bring her down, but luckily the content of TR <laughs> should be able to bring the grade back up. So hopefully she'll do pretty well. And I'm sure uh, um, Sophie herself is more than capable of achieving a pretty good grade on her own merits. Yeah, despite despite your best efforts. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I tried my best to sabotage it, but I'm sure she'll How does it feel to be a Teddy authority? Uh, pretty intimidating, <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. lie, but I enjoyed yeah. it. Of, of all the things that I've been known for in my in my relatively middle, middle-aged life, um, I'm... <laughs> I'm pretty I'm pretty glad that TR is now one that people will think about when when they think about Steve as opposed to all those bad things that I keep doing to people. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely the least incriminating of your 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 current track record. Uh what's your favorite thing about Sophie, Steve? My favorite thing about Sophie is that just like TR she puts um she puts her her mouth where her action is and she actually goes and does things so she's actually going to get someone to dress up as Teddy Roosevelt for this show which I think is fantastic I wanted to know if she because under her Twitter bio said she was in England and if she was in London (laughs) I was going to go and dress up as Teddy I actually tweeted her about it 
Uh, but unfortunately, no, she's in Manchester, which is a little bit too far away. But I would have done it in a heartbeat. And what's your favorite thing about her? My favorite thing about her is she has a complete, full, 100% understanding of the dynamic of this show. Because when she reached out via Twitter to ask for help on her assignment, she specifically requested <laughs> you and not a mention of my name anywhere. <laughs> which is entirely accurate and the right thing to do, Sophie. You did, you did a good job there. You weren't even fractionally offended. <laughs> Not even a little. It's like, no, this makes, this is the most sense anything's ever made to me. So yeah, if you were going to contribute, it was going to be dressing up and having a good time. That was based, that would have been my contribution is fancy dress. Not, no sort of knowledge or anything. Uh, no, Richie, you're, you're, you've got lovely beard. (laughs) Uh, Let's just end on what, what I'm keeping a sane, Steve. Uh, For new listeners, what I'm keeping a sane is a section of the show where we talk about the non-political things in our life that are keeping us sane when all of the political things in our life are, are are failing at that. So what I'm keeping you saying, Steve? Uh, I recently took on the burden of reading a massive fantasy book. So I'm actually, I'm doing a Goodreads challenge this year where you try and like read uh, a certain amount of books. And I picked 40 books at the start of the year thinking that like it would be relatively achievable because I do read quite a lot. Mm -hmm. But I have a terrible tendency to pick like um, 1200 page books. Yeah. (laughs) If you hit like historical crap or or fantasy books. So I picked Mm -hmm. up um, The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson, who's, um, Mm. he's pretty much like the, the number two dude up to G R R R R R R R Martin Grr. in terms of fant- fantasy writers out there. So uh, mm. I finally got through his book and uh, it was it was really enjoyable. And I am going to go see him uh, give a talk over in Glasgow at the end of the month. Um, he's, oh, he's doing, yeah, he's doing like a tour um, to release the new book. So I'm really excited about that. I'm doing like a little a little pilgrimage. I'll talk more about the other stuff later. But uh, yeah, that's going to be part of it. I'm pretty happy. Sweet. What's keeping you saying? Uh, I've been playing lots and lots and lots and lots of the new Super Mario game that came out on the Switch. Nothing makes me happier than seeing that little overall wearing bastard run around and jump on turtles. I don't understand. All the screenshots I've seen, he's not in like the regular uh, cartoony wonderland of of whatever Mushroom Kingdom or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's like in New York or... or in this, yeah, that's the fucking craziest thing about this goddamn game. So in the rich, rich, wonderful fiction of the Mario-verse... Um, it kind of takes place in the Mushroom Kingdom, which is that really colorful toads and, and, and uh, Koopas and all that kind of cartoony stuff. But in this game, you travel around to different kingdoms and one of them is just called the Metro Kingdom. And uh, humans are just in it, like regularly proportioned humans with skyscrapers and everything. And Mario stands next to them. And he I always thought Mario was a human, but I don't think he is because <laughs> he's like he's got all these weird proportions and he's like up to knee height on these people and no one seems to react to this weird creature running around like it's it's absolutely turning my idea of reality on its head that's kind of like um, how I feel sometimes when I'm standing beside you yeah the- <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite tall I'm not uh, I'm not short but I'm not you're tall. not short but I'm you're, like, not, you're not Richie tall I think you did call me once the definition of average height <laughs> <laughs> no I just called you the definition of average oh no, yeah, I just said, hey, you are like the metric for an average height person. <laughs> like in my head when someone says their average height, oh, I was like, oh, that's one Steve's worth. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's 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 what I've been up to. Cool. Uh, I think that's it. We, this, this has been a long enough episode. I think we should just bugger off right now. Yeah, okay. Again, thanks very much to Tara. Um, thanks very thank much. Thank you. Thanks very much to thank all you Thank you for guys. the more bags. Oh, yes. Thank you for the more bags. We're oh. trying our best to give more knowledge towards the glowing tree in our own little way. Glo- glowing tree get fucked steve it's not the glowing tree what is it it's a growing tree uh well i've already failed okay you see richie this is why we keep you around for the important facts (laughs) okay richie see ya more bags more bags land